Hi everyone, this episode of A Blockchain Lawyer will give you an overview of our blockchain and crypto regulation in Malta. Have fun. Welcome to The Blockchain Lawyer, a podcast on technology and law. Dennis Hilleman is an accomplished lawyer with over 13 years of experience and a passion for creating a better future through blockchain technology, cryptocurrency, and other disruptive innovations. All statements expressed in this podcast are the opinions of the host and his guests only and are in no way legal or financial advice. And now, here is your host, Dennis. everyone and welcome to a new episode of a blockchain lawyer i'm dennis Suleiman. i'm your host and i'm happy you found the way here today we're going to look into crypto regulation on malta um one of my keen listeners lena dimchenko i hope i pronounced that right if not lena please write me uh, she wrote to me on linkedin and said if asked me if i could look into the regulation on malta and that's what i'm gonna do so you see write to me on LinkedIn, write to me on Twitter, write to me on Instagram, you can find me there and let me know what you want to be have discussed in the Blockchain Lawyer or even if you want to be a guest on the show and then we're going to go deep into that subject. So today, from one of my listeners, the suggestion, we're going deep into crypto regulation on Malta. So anyhow, what's up? In July 2020, Malta became the main country for cryptos in Europe when they implemented an official legislative package for blockchain, cryptocurrency and distributed ledger technology DLT operators. And that's why Malta is pretty hot when it comes to crypto. Um, I know that from some of my acquaintances from blockchain conferences, they all went to Malta with the startups because they have legal certainty there. And if they are allowed under Malta law, they assume they can operate pretty much anywhere within the European Union. And that's, of course, true, because um, basically, um, if a business is uh, legal in one of the member states of the European Union, it basically, of course, there are limitations, but basically it can operate all throughout Europe. And that's one of the big advantages of the European Union common market. And that is what Malta, uh, of course, used here to attract blockchain and crypto startups. But uh, let's take a let's take a step back before we go into the details. Of course, we should also be aware that Malta doesn't always have a best reputation when it comes to startup and businesses. Because as you know, currently it's Sunday the 8th, uh, December of 2020, there's a lot of turmoil on Malta, a lot of political stress about the murder of a journalist. And you know, the government is under heavy pressure. Malta is at least reported to be pretty corrupt and doesn't have a best uh, reputation when it comes to the financial system. But nonetheless, we should all be aware that Malta is a full member of the European Union and therefore all laws that applies there must be in compliance, must be comp in compliance with the European Union regulations. And if, it, if they were not, the European Union would absolutely do something about that. So... We should very much, despite what we think of what we about Malta and the many, many assumptions there are when it comes to money laundering in Malta, 
we should take the legislation pretty serious because it can impact the whole European Union and I think in a positive way. And that's what we're going to look into now. So what were the aims of the new regulatory framework in Malta? First, Malta wanted to provide transparency and legal certainty. As you know, in 2016, 2017, 2018, when there were a lot of ICOs, a lot of STOs, we all were pretty much unclear what the legal rules were. And especially with the ICOs, there was a lot of legal uncertainty going on. Um, I counseled one or two ICOs and it was pretty, pretty, pretty bad because basically you didn't actually know fully on what legal basis they could work. It was pretty clear that you should leave Americans out because of the US regulators council probably considering anything you offer as a security token and therefore like fully applying American law, American financial law under it. And um, yeah, so it was quite an interesting time. But then Malta went and made legal frameworks and legal rules that might not be perfect, but at least gave legal certainty. So it's clear that anyone doing, um, anyone offering coins or doing a security token offering at some point in 2018, 2019 would pretty much consider Malta to be the best place to go. So on that level, Malta worked pretty well. Also, of course, and that's the good thing, Malta could move forward um, with their legislation pretty much pretty much easier than any other European country at that point because um, they just are a more innovative state. They um, want to increase the trust in innovative technologies with the framework. And they decided that they wanted to establish the Republic of Malta as one of the most important players uh, when it comes to technology, uh, technological business opportunities. Like, I mean, if you look at it, what, what could Malta do? Like, of course, it could be very important for financial activities. It, wa it was and always is. So it just makes sense that Malta would move into the crypto space to and offer like big possibilities for um, businesses to open up um, a business there and to register in Malta and then operate in all Europe. So the move of Malta pretty much made sense to say, hey, we give you the legal framework, we give you transparency how it works, we want to support innovative technologies. Um, to, so it made sense for them to stay on top of the game when it comes to financial questions. So anyhow, what happened? Let's go into some of the details. First, of course, we had the MDIA Act. And that meant that Malta established the Malta Dig Digital Innovation Authority, the MDIA. And that authority is meant to be a front runner and to be like the one face to, um, uh, to attend to as for the regulation of innovative technologies. So the whole idea is here that you have one competent authority that you can turn to and that offers a new communication level between competent uh, national authorities. Like that's a player that deals with any questions regarding new uh, crypto and blockchain, um, blockchain law. So then the basic thing, though, the most important part of the 
Regulation in Malta, that's the Virtual Financial Asset Act, the VFAA. This is the act that actually changed everything. This act sets out to regulate the field of initial virtual financial asset offerings and virtual financial assets and to make provision for matters ancillary or incidental to that or connected in addition to that. Especially progressive are the following regulations and legal definitions. First of all, we have a definition of initial virtual financial asset offerings, or as they are more known as initial coin offerings. Let's look into that. I'll now read to you directly from the Act. And this Act states at the beginning that a virtual financial asset, or VFA, means any form of digital medium recordation that it used as a digital medium of exchange, unit of account or store of value, and that is not A, electronic money, B, a financial instrument, or C, a virtual token. That's the definition for virtual assets. Then we have a definition for virtual token. Virtual token means a form of digital medium recordation that has no utility, value, or application outside of a distributed ledger platform on which it was issued and may only be reduced redeemed for funds on such platforms directly by the issuer or such DLT asset. And the Act also states that electronic money is excluded from this definition. So we have virtual financial asset as a definition, which is not electronic money, and not a financial instrument, and not a virtual token, and we've got virtual token as a definition as well. So while the virtual token is like limited to the DLT platform that issued the virtual token, the, um, the approach to a virtual uh, financial asset or VFA is like much broader because it is a digital medium of exchange by this act and or a unit of, of account or a store of value. And that can be also traded outside of the, the, um, of the platform that it was issued on. So what Walter then does is lay out rules for such initial coin offerings, or in this case, virtual financial asset offerings to the public. And the legislation goes into the definition of how such an initial VFA offering should work. And it says, like, no issuer shall offer a virtual financial asset to the public in or from Malta or shall apply for virtual financial assets admission to trading on a DLT exchange unless such issuer draws up a white paper which complies with the requirements of the, of the Act and is registered with the MDIA. And what the law does then is that it defines that, you sh that there will be so-called VFA agents who register with the MDIA and then actually make sure that anyone wanting to issue VFA offerings are compli in compliance with the law. The Act says an issuer is required to appoint and have at all times and place a VFA agent who shall be registered with a competent authority, the MDA, under this Act and shall a ensure that the issuer has satisfied all requirements as prescribed in the provisions of this Act and any rules or regulations issued thereunder, including their 
fear data that such issuer is a fit and proper person to carry out the activity or activities under this act. Advise and guide the issuer to its responsibilities and obligation to ensure compliance with the provisions of this act and of any rules and regulations should thereunder, and so on and so on. So what the law does, and this is actually a clever approach from my point of view, it says you don't actually have to go to the authority like from the beginning because under the authorities we will register with a agents and they will make sure that they will counsel you and make sure that you comply with the law. And this, this model of having like decentralized in which they um, authorities registered agents that make sure that new businesses comply with the law. That is an approach that makes a lot of sense because it makes sure that the, that the authority in the end, the MDIA gets checked documents and gets like a regular, gets a paper saying that yes, this new business with, with VFA offering will comply with the law. This is an approach that Germany actually has in many ways too. For example, in higher education law, when you have, when you want to offer a new study program, it will be checked, accredited, how it's called in German, by the Wissenschaftsrat, the Science Council. And they will file out a report and say that this new study program is fine and the Uh, the ministries, the state ministries, then accept that. And this approach of having like bodies under your administration, legal bodies registered with you, having the license to counsel and to check if someone is complying with the law, that is actually an approach that could very work pretty well with um, crypto and blockchain activities. But of course, it would mean that these VFA agents, as it well, Malta terms does use it, that these VFA agents are actually totally independent and are actually willing to, uh, to make everything uh, comply with the law. So that's, of course, always the case. You, make sh you, must, you must make sure that you get good people, good institutions actually willing to make sure you comply with the law. But I think that could be an approach for Germany, too. Because the BaFin, as we know, the central legal authority in Germany when it comes to financial instruments, when it comes to crypto, is the BaFin. And it's pretty slow. We must be honest on that. It's pretty slow and pretty conservative. And of course, they don't always have the staff necessary to, get to give out license pretty fast. So perhaps it is a way to decentralize this whole approach and to give account, to give to get authorities that give counsel to others, public, uh, private authorities, private agents that give, that give counsel and legal advice and guidelines to new projects. However, of course, um, you must make sure that these agents are actually willing to comply with the law. Otherwise, this whole idea, this whole approach of having decentralized, decentralized regulation this way will not work. So anyhow, as you can see, Malta has a stringent regulation of necessary license requirement and conditions, which must be adhered to by individuals or entities who issue ICOs, initial coin offerings, which are called in this, uh, this way when virtual financial asset offerings. The regulation and control of type of VFH, which may be issued through an ICO and admission to trading on a distributed ledger uh, technology exchange, 
This is all in this act. Like also, this act defines how when you can work a distributed ledger uh, technology exchange. We'll come into that as well. The act also offers a provision of clear guidelines for registered white papers, which have to be prepared and delivered to the Malta financial service authorities in case of ICOs. This is also quite a, a good approach. As you know, um, the whole ICO business in 2016 and 2017 was based on white papers. Oh my God, I've read so many white papers and they were of so different quality. Some were very, very short and looked very, very unserious, um, pretty much illegal sometimes at point, promising everything, holding nothing, holding nothing true of their promises, of course, later. Other white papers were quite excellent. The people that wrote them also talked about risks, also talked about what could go wrong, what, is the, what are the milestones, what are the plans. And I think it's a good approach that if you want to issue initial coin offerings, virtual asset offerings, then with the white papers that you should, that you want to issue them with, they should have some guidelines to it. Like there should be some guidelines on how these white papers are written. And Germany actually does the same when you want to um, issue shares of your company. Then the guidelines are pretty clear on what you have to write in your papers for that. So it's quite a step forward if the guidelines for white papers are clear in that sense too. And I think that's a good approach. And Malta does a good job on dealing with that. And probably, regardless of what you think about Malta and their authorities, I think it's probably wise if our authorities from Europe have a look into that as well. And what this act does too, and this is of course something that was way ahead of any other legislation in the European Union. Um, it also had regulations on the requirements for launching cryptocurrencies, e-wallet providers, and most crucially, cryptocurrency exchanges. The Malta Act in this way also gave clear regulations on how you can how you run uh, an exchange for cryptocurrencies. And this is something new because from my part, from my understanding, there's no such like legal regulation. Maybe there's regulation for the authorities, but not like legal on terms of uh, law um, from the other European Union, uh, Union member states so far for crypto exchanges. If I'm wrong on that, if, if any other country was in, in the European member states was ahead of Malta, please let me know. Then what we should talk about too is the Innovative Technology Arrangement and Service Act from Malta. And what does this act do? It provides the regulation for innovative technology arrangement, ITAs, and designated innovative technology service providers, ITSPs. And there's a stringent legal definition of IDAs and ITSPs and the principles of regulation and certification of activities for ITAs according to their purposes. So what are ITAs? ITAs are the following. Software and architectures which are used in designing and delivering distributed ledger technologies. Smart contracts and related applications, including decentralized autonomous organizations, 
and any other innovative technology arrangement which may be designated by the Minister of a recommendation of the authority. So the ITAs is actually something that is very deep into DLT technology and therefore provides legal certainty also on how to run a blockchain uh, use case on Malta. You know, even without a virtual financial asset because that is what the other regulation regulates. ITSPs are the following. Review services related to this act provided by system ad administrators. Technical administration services referred to this act provided by technical administrators. And the principles relating to registration found in the act for IDAs and IDSP are quite similar. Um, the issue of a certain certification for one purpose should not operate to serve as a certification for another purpose nor shall be the issue for other certifications. Both certifications also require that upon registration, the applicant displays the certificate in a publicity-accessible location to be viewed and understood by all potential users. Uh, users. So you see what uh, this issue is actually done, uh, well, this act is actually done, it makes clear that you have to register your DLT startups, uh, regardless of if you use virtual assets or not. And when you get a certificate and you display it publicly, publicly, but it also means that the public wanting to use your business van and your blockchain scenario knows that you're actually legit, like that you're not committing any fraud, that we can trust you, that you've been tested by a central authority. And that's, of course, one step forward also when it comes to blockchain and the trust in the blockchain technology after the many ICOs that were criminal in 2016, 2017. So let's see. One of the basic approaches and the revolutionary approaches of a regulatory framework. First of all, we have with the MDA as a regulator one window, one window supervisory, supervisory authority for blockchain, cryptocurrency, and distributed ledger technology in the country. Imagine you're working in Germany. You want to work with blockchain as a startup. To how many how many authorities do you have to register? To the BaFin? Yeah. But maybe you also have to register with other authorities in Germany. Uh, it much depends on what you're doing with your, uh, with your technology. And of course, you're under the supervision of quite a few authorities in Germany, some of the federal governments like the BaFin, others by the states in Germany, such as the Datenschutzbeauftragte, meaning the authorities responsible for compliance with EU GDPR. And in Malta, you only register with one authority and you're under the supervision of one authority. So this one window approach is, of course, very helpful for New startups, when they want to come, when they want to start, they know who to talk to in Malta. And that's a huge help also on a different level because the people working in such an authority, they gain, of course, much knowledge and experience over the time. And with more experience and more knowledge over time, it's much easier for them to understand business models when it comes to blockchain. And You should not underestimate this aspect because from my understanding, and I can't even like judge them on that, many German authorities, for example, still have problems with grasping what blockchain is all about. 
and they always think that blockchain is all about cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin, but it's of course not. Blockchain can be so much more. So it's probably, if you believe that blockchain will be huge and it will be a huge thing in the future, then it's probably good if you sh if you create one central authority to care about all blockchain and crypto questions. It's a huge step forward just on an organizational level. Of course, it all depends on how they practice that and how serious they are and how well-trained the staff is in the end. But that's always the case. So basically, if you look at it, that point, Malta did one revolutionary step there because there's no central blockchain or crypto authority in Germany. Of course, that's the Bafin, but the Bafin also only deals with financial questions. So Malta did one good thing there, I think. And also Malta introduced a string rent legal definition for ICOs as a method of raising funds whereby an issuer is issuing virtual financial assets and is offering them in exchange for funds. I mean, they said, basically, ICOs are legal. This is what you do, and these are the rules. And that is a huge step also forward for many, many blockchain startups because there was much legal uncertainty, like I said before, about how to issue an ICO. Then the Malta legislation, the Malta regulation has the stringent legal definition for virtual tokens. And if you listen to my podcast, you know by now that Germany has that too now. Um, go to episode 21 with the crypto value definition that is now out. Germany is now there too, but it took them nearly one and a half year longer than Malta. Also, Malta will develop a financial instrument test. This test will determine whether a product or service will fall under financial services legislation or whether the scope of the FAA covers it. And yeah, like I said before, the, the role of the VFA agents was developed by applications for license in case of ICO launching. You need a VFA agent, agent which will counsel you, accompany you, and make sure you're compliant with the law and therefore be a, an authority for you to help, but also to go to by legal requirements. And, of course, the VFA agent will be able to work much faster um, than in a central authority and I think so far we can say that Malta's new uh, reg regulatory framework has been a success. And the biggest success, of course, was that Malta uh, gained Binance. Binance moved to Malta due to the smooth and straightforward Maltese policy on cryptocurrency and blockchain applications. And of course, because it allowed for cryptocurrency exchange. So... Now Binance is based on Malta. Let me just tell you a little about Binance at this point. Binance was founded in uh, China in 2017 by uh, Changping Shao and He He. He and Sao both worked at the OKCoin OK exchange before um, deciding to build their own crypto exchange. Binance is now a professional trading platform. And the company was forced to leave China in September 17 after the Chinese government banned cryptocurrency trading. It has since had uh, offices in Japan and Taiwan. It is currently based, though, in Malta. CoinMarketCap lists Binance as the second biggest crypto exchange on the market. 
Binance is designated to appeal to many users as possible and the exchange is simple enough for newbies to use and offer enough coins and features to keep expert traders happy as well. And probably some of you know that Binance also has their own coins. The Binance coin, BNB, is a cryptocurrency created by Binance. The exchange used an initial coin offering of Binance coin to raise 50 million US dollars worth of funding in July 2017. And uh, Binance is a crypto to crypto exchange. It means that users can only use it to trade currency, cryptocurrencies. There are also cryptocurrency exchange like CoinMar or Coinbase that offers fiat currency trading. But Binance is very much renowned for the cryptocurrency trading, for the trading against uh, Bitcoin, especially. So, so much for Binance for those of you who are not aware what Binance is. When we got Enchain, the company was uh, recently acquired by a private equity firm based in Malta for the modest sum of approximately $100 million. The contract uh, stipulates that Enchain is not only based on paper in Malta, but also actually operates from the island. Yovo, the, fir- the world's f- uh, first fully token mobile network, had recently moved its office from London to Malta, expanding its unique mobile platform. Series C um, startups and businesses are going to Malta because we got a clear legal framework. The clear legal framework to me sounds so far reasonable. The weakness, of course, is in how you apply this framework. If you're serious about it, what you write in it, then Malta will make sure that there's no anti-money, uh, that there's no money laundering in the platforms and that they will comply with European rules. If they supervise the agents for um, virtual financial assets offerings wisely, if they actually ad- supervise them, if there's no corruption, and if you're only an agent, if you that in case you make sure that you're totally complying with the law and that all the projects that you advise and guide will be uh, um, complying with the law, then appro- that approach is also fine. Like any legislation, the pay what you write on paper is one thing, and Malta did a good job there. It's no wonder that many businesses go there. But the other thing is how you practice the law. And on from that, on that level, I can't say yet if Malta fully works the way it should work under European law. We'll see about that. One last thing, though, is the question like, will people trust companies that are on Malta? I know that sounds harsh, but... You must always ask yourself if a big investor from London, from Frankfurt, from Paris will put money in a company that is based on Malta. Because regardless of Malta being a part of the European Union, the reputation is still not so good. It's still the reputation that there's a lot of money laundering and a lot of bad political vibes on Malta, especially now with the discussion of a murder of a journalist. So if you want to move your company to Malta, you should take that into notice. You should also maybe take into consideration that now many European countries like Germany and France are moving pretty fast with their regulation too. And that the Malta advantage on the crypto regulation may be a short-lived one and that maybe you can put up your company and your cryptocurrency exchange just fine under French or German law or under European law as well in Berlin, in Paris, in Frankfurt in the future. 
So it all depends on how fast it must be. If you need to start now, if you need to move fast, if you need total certainty how everything works, Malta is a good place to go. But rest aware that the rest of Europe is moving fast as well. And that the Malta legislation, as progressive as it, as it is, could be a role model for other European countries to copy and to adapt into their na national legislation. And then the step ahead that Malta was and is and still is could be gone in the future. Anyhow, I think, I hope you learned a little bit today and enjoyed this episode on Malta uh, regulation. But of course, I'm not a lawyer on Malta law and can't advise you on Malta law at all. I hope um, that it was clear to you what Malta did there. And yeah, like I said at the beginning, if you want me to discuss any topic that you like, please let me know and I will do it. Write to me on LinkedIn, write to me on Twitter, or write to me at dennis at dennis-hilleman.de and I'll come back to you. Hope to hear from you soon and until next time with a blockchain lawyer. If you want to learn more about Dennis, please visit his website, theblockchain.lawyer, or connect with him on LinkedIn or Twitter. Until next time, everyone. 